1: Integrated family nurse practitioner going over my 50 page genetic report. And I know part of this may be a little boring, but let me tell you, when you understand what your genes are and your personalized map, you may realize that you have the opportunity to change some of those parts of your genes just because your genes, your genetic makeup may say one thing does not mean that those, ch- those genes are going to be turned on or going to be expressed. We have the opportunity in our life to manage a trigger or manage the expression of a gene by our habits, our lifestyle, and the things that we do. So I first want to say that um, how did I get my genetic map and how was I able to find this? So first off, I did 23andMe and I also did an Ancestry report, Ancestry.com. I used 23andMe to do this, to get the raw data. I did the 23andMe plus health. Um, and then what I did was I got the raw data. I'm going to have all links below so that you can are able to get your own genetic map and look up what your genes mean. The second thing I did, which I want to shout out to uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick from Found My Fitness, I used her website and uploaded my raw data into her Found My, Found my Fitness website. She is an expert geneticist and PhD. She has a profound amount of knowledge in the genetic markers and what it represents and expresses. So what I did was I paid for my 23andMe around $99. I am not in any way sponsored by either one of these people. I just would like to say that it was a really um, very informative. And as you see, as I read, um, my genetic report, it may seem a little boring, but what I'd like you to get out of it, even if one part you get is that your genes give you information to then change. So some of these markers may seem like, oh no, I have this in my family. I'm not going to change it, but I do. So I took the 23andMe. I paid the 100, maybe it was 199. I'm not sure with the plus health. And then I got the raw data. I downloaded my raw data. I then went to found my fitness, Dr. Rhonda Patrick's website. I uploaded my raw data and she did a comprehensive report. A comprehensive report. I think it costs maybe $30. Don't, um, don't, uh, quote me on that. Let me just check to actually, I'm going to go check just to make sure. I think it's $25 or $30. And then she has a Patriot, um, account, Patreon account, you know, to support her. She does so much of her work in just not all free, but she just, she does so much of it because, you know, she believes in what she does and um, foundmyfitness.com. So amazing. So when you go onto her site, after you've downloaded your raw data from 23andMe or Ancestry.com, I liked 23andMe. It was pretty good. Um, you would put in your email and you'd say, get my report. And you'd put in first, you know, she'll say, go to genetic reports and you could become a member. You, you don't have to. And then what you do is... Um, you upload it. And then what it is, is step one is you put the data in. she gives you all the steps. Step one, you upload the data, you go through, she goes through it. And then in about 10 minutes, and she sends you the report. Oh, here it is. The comprehensive report is $25. And then if you want a premium membership for anything to have access to any of her information, it would be $15 a month. Like I said, I'm not uh, sponsored by her in any way. I just feel like she's just a wealth of knowledge and everyone needs to know her. She's amazing. So from that, I then got a very comprehensive report. Um, It's a 50-page report on what my genes show. And we're going to go over it. It'll take a little while, but what I want you to understand is these letters and the way it snips and the the things that come out seem kind of complex. But when you really think about it, we each have the opportunity to change the way our genes are expressed. So let's get to it. So my report is, as she shows, it basically will affect the bioavailability and metabolism of my micronutrients. So with these genes, she's able to see what micronutrients that I may be deficient in. So my genes can even tell you things that I may not be able to metabolize well. Vitamin D, vitamin C, and it will go through a full list. Okay. So my first gene, it's called ADIPOQ. And it's called the status is it's a means that I have a low adiponescent level and a higher risk for obesity. This means this gene for me means that I have anti-inflammatory protein and um, I have a higher probability of a metabolic syndrome in my my blood and I have a higher probability of obesity. Now that I've just had a baby this past year, I noticed it is harder for me to lower the adipose tissue and to decrease um, some of that um, overall metabolism, and it has gotten slower. But what are things that she states here that I can do? Maintenance of weight loss. Researchers have studied that you can, Spanish individuals, which I am of Spanish descent, have, um, have a higher triglyceride, their biomarkers show a little bit of insulin resistance and longevity that when you have this um, adipose or um, ADI POQ, your longevity is a little less than 95 years. You're gonna, you're less likely to be a centarian. So what can I do now? Here's that part. So just because this says that I'm going to be heavy or obese does not mean that I am going to be heavy or obese. Now it's the choice of what I put in my body and what I do to exercise and, and make, that choice so how do i do weight loss and exercise it's a lifestyle change right so then i have to make an active choice to actively do aerobic and weightlifting at least three to five times a week and that's even 10 minutes a day she even states my dietary choices here that you really wanna sh- make sure you um, have more of a Mediterranean diet, more avocados, more nuts, polysaturated fats, um, olive oil, and try to decrease the chance of a type two diabetes. My gene TCF, F7L2, it gives me an increased risk of type two diabetes and polysaturated fat consumption. That's pretty scary, you know, it's saying that I am highly probable of getting type 2 diabetes. And you know what? Why does that have to be the case? Well, that's saying is because although we're thought to be involved in a lipid metabolism, my body does not tend to regulate um, in this gene and it's expressed thus decreasing my insulin secretion and I have an enhanced production of glucose in the liver. So, that happens. And that is kind of part of the reason why I'm predisposed to type two diabetes, but that does not mean that I will get type two diabetes or that I can't manage type two diabetes if I get it. So how do I do that again? It is what you put in your body, what you eat, And what you have and consume is a direct reflection of what happens. So here again is discussing um, a Mediterranean diet by the research. The research shows a Mediterranean diet is one of the best resources for cardiovascular risk, and it helps individuals lower their A1C and use of omega-6 and polysaturated fats. So I also have a supplement that I take. Um, I pretty much believe that most individuals need to start taking at least omega-6, um, like a DHA or EPA. Um, I'll put that in link below and I take that on a regular. And then I avoid a lot of saturated fats. I really don't do a lot of fried foods. I try to use more... Um, poached things. And and the only butter that I, u- I try to use is just ghee or lactose-free options are really not much in the oils. Um, you really kind of have to limit that. So my next gene is the MTRR. Now, I don't know all these names, but I'm going off of my report and I'm discussing it with you so that it kind of is a little familiar to you and a little familiar to me. So the MTR gene is the code that is enzyme methion synthase reductase. That is what it means, which is a catalyst and conversion of an inactive form and enzyme. And this basically says it's active by using riboflavin, which is B2, and it's cofactor. It is involved in remethylation and homocysteine in the methane and co co-blem- B12 participating. So basically it's saying it poses a big role in folate metabolism and methane cycling. This basically says that in my choices of food, I need to eat more eggs, fish, and cruciferous vegetables. Cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, spinach, very fibrous foods, and things that also have a high B12 and B2 um, amounts. In addition to that, I have to have a betene and reduction in homocysteines. One function in choline is it serves as a precursor that is known that of called betene or trimethylglycine. Betaine aids in the remethylation of serving as lowering your high in the blood. Now, multiple studies have shown that when you have four to six grams per day, um, on the supplementation, it will help your overall, uh, cholesterol. In addition, it's saying that I need to increase my B12 and my B2. So for me, what I use is, um, I am very big on, um, B12 and B2, I'll use um, my green vibrance, I'll uh, do a supplement, and I also use a um, nutritional yeast to increase my B12. Now, um, a big thing here too is sometimes you can add in a choline or TMAO uh, supplement. This is what it's dating, and I haven't done that yet, but it says it, it'll help metabolize better in the gut. I have not done that yet, but I may consider. Now I have the ACE... Um, This is called a slight increased risk for blood pressure and impaired glucose metabolism, high saturated fat diet and possible lower prevalence of COVID-19. So there's like one good thing in here, but yet not good. So one aspect that's saying that I have a possible lower prevalence of getting COVID-19, but I still have an increased risk of high blood pressure or impaired glucose metabolism, My goodness, it's like one or the other. I've already been vaccinated for COVID-19, so hopefully in that case, I will not contract it or I will be able to get through that. But on the negative side here, it's saying that I would have an increased risk of high blood pressure. Again, stating that just because my gene states I will have high blood pressure and glucose metabolism does not mean that I won't be able to manage it or never get that to increase. I have had not high blood pressure on the regular, but when I was pregnant, I did have a preeclampsia um, crisis uh, before the baby was born and my blood pressures were elevated. So I'm not sure if that was a factor in my genes or just being pregnant, who knows, but that definitely was some part of my my issues. Um, again, here you wanna kind of decrease your overall saturated fats and a lifestyle management. My next one is called FOX03, F-O-X-O-3. And then there's a bunch of numbers, RS267. Don't have to go into that. But this states that I may have an increased lifespan. Oh, that's kind of cool. So here's something positive. Um, it's basically saying in this protein, it's transcribed in the DNA and it says that I am associated with longevity. So here's something positive for the day. I get one, um, gene here that says I have an increased lifespan. So I may have some of these other factors, but if I change my overall behavior, I could live longer. Um, the HMGCR, this is the gene called hydroxy coenzyme. It's HMGCR, and it encodes the enzyme for cholesterol. Oh my goodness, cholesterol. So it's a statin block that's production. So in this, it shows that in her studies, she stated that around 1,500 patients are associated with reduction of efficacy from provostatin. What they've been finding is that more and more individuals are not really benefiting from statin drugs and that um, it hasn't really helped with lowering cholesterol. So I am one where I would be sensitive to saturated, but I'm also not really benefiting from getting a statin. And that's been shown more and more that statin treatments are not as effective. All right. So my next one is called a PPM1K. And what is that? That is slightly elevated circulation BCAAs and risk for type 2 diabetes in a high-fat diet. Again, oh, another one stating that I'm going to have a high-fat diet and then I'm going to be type 2 diabetes. Wonderful. This biomarker says that I am linked to future diabetes I need to make sure I keep my pounds underweight and that I could go into a 10 week weight loss program or choose better, um, options of low, uh, low sugar and low carbs and Mediterranean diet. My next one is J a K two, this means that I'm twofold increased risk for blood cancer. How interesting. So this says that JAK2 gene controls the number of blood cells produced and survived. The genotype is associated with a twofold increased risk. Cancers of blood, such as leukemia. The increased risk may be due to abnormal damage in the hemopitic cells, hemo, oh, sorry, hemotopic podic cells and that of stem cells, and that goes on to cams, cancer stem cells. Now that is like, this may never happen. This is a genetic marker. So this is the big thing about when you're reading reports and you're learning about genetics, just because that marker is there does not mean I'm going to have blood cancer, but it does state that in my genes that could be triggered on. And how could that be triggered on? There's another, you know, there's things, stress related, food related environment could trigger that on, but does not have to mean that it's going to be. There's a whole slew of um, read about how um, your leukemia risks. The next one is called the T-E-R-C. So T-E-R-C is meaning that my telomeres are just slightly shorter. Unfortunately, it's saying that I'm going to have a little, it says I'm going to have a long life, and then it says I'm going to have a shorter telomere life. And that basically is kind of the lifespan of your body with the cardiovascular system and the overall, they call it the telomere reverse transcription. And bummer, it says it's shorter. But on a good note, they have said that you can reduce this by stress reduction. So I'm a big fan of meditation, um, exercise, yoga, and using different applications in your life to manage that stress, good and bad stress, but to really manage it. Go outside. Like today's a really beautiful day. I'm going to go outside after this, um, this talk. Nutrition again, here comes nutrition again into this. If I don't change my diet and I don't change what I put into my body, I will demonstrate these decreased telomeres. The next one comes up is called ACYP2. And that's another thing about my shorter telomere lengths. Oh, goodness, I still have shorter telomere lengths. Um, the third genetic marker here then states it's called the OBFC1, says I again have shorter telomere length. Genetic marker RTEL1, again stating a shorter telomere marker, but I can still change this marker, I can still work on it. Um, T-E-R-C, again, shorter telomere length. I can still work on it. Stress reduction, nutrition, and adequate sleep, not living a sedentary lifestyle, Figure. do not smoke, those things. Repetitive things that we're learning here, still ways that I can make sure that these markers don't always get triggered. Genetics, C-Y-P-2-R-1. I'm at risk for vitamin D deficiency. I've actually had this already. I've already had low, um, vitamin D and I've had to take high doses of vitamin D. Uh, been prescribed like the 50,000 I use before. I now take a daily vitamin D supplement, um, with my, my morning, um, shake. So I, don't think I'm having trouble with that, but with vitamin D, it's a very big factor in, um, your gut health. It helps with depression. It helps with the overall bone health. It helps overall. Um, there's many markers, but one big thing is that it's associated with lowering, um, your, like, overall mortality because it helps with, um, it's just required to achieve, like, your body's overall wellness. And there's many factors on this. And there's many, many studies on the um, genetic components and the need for vitamin D. The next statement is NAF1. And again, it's stating my telomere is a little bit shorter. My goodness, I have short telomeres for sure. The next one is vitamin D binding protein. Possible genetic risk for vitamin D deficiency. So I do have a genetic um, component for having vitamin D deficiency, and has this come up? Like I stated just before, it has come up, and I have had to increase my vitamin D intake. The genetic marker MTHFR risk for altered folate metabolism and hyperhomocysteinemia. That means that I have a hard time metabolizing B12. So the common MTHFR gene, it's long, so I'm not going to um, say the full name, but it basically says that folate serves as a precursor in important pathways, a synthesis of the DNA Um Nucleotide thymine, the generation of the methyl groups, which is very important in epigenetics and also in the conversion of the homocysteine methone and requires vitamin D as a cofactor. So um, vitamin B12 as a cofactor. So I need I'm having I have a difficulty with the metabolism of this. So how can I change that and what can I do to make that better? I would take supplementation. So I would take supplements like uh, 5-methylfolate, B12, riboflavin B2. um, And I would put that in a diet or I would put it like I would, I have some uh, supplement drinks that I do take. So they they do have a a good vast amount of things. I don't know if I'm taking um, 5-methylfolate, but I probably should. Looks like it. And then betaine and reduction of homocysteine. Now, this one is, um, it says one of the functions of the choline again serves as a precursor known as betaine. Uh, multiple studies have shown that high doses of 4 to 6 grams per day of betaine supplementation can sig- significantly lower your homocysteine concentration. So it's also stating that not only should I take uh, methofolate, methylcobaline, and riboflavin, I also should be taking betaine. SH2B3. So that means I am a slightly risk for celiac disease. I found that interesting. Um, now I really find myself, um, having a gluten sensitivity. I really noticed that if you ever heard someone say, Oh, do you have that like bloated feeling when you eat a lot of bread or th- eat things that are very, um, I mean, they taste great, but when you eat a lot of, um, bread, bread foods, you feel very sluggish. That definitely is me. So I have, um, recently, um, started going gluten-free and gluten and dairy-free a hundred percent. Um, well, for the most part, I am dairy-free, uh, once in a while I've had, I will sprinkle in a couple of, uh, a little bit of dairy, but very little. most of my, um, I have, um, either an almond milk, oat milk, uh, substitutes, and I, majority of the time I'm gluten and dairy free. And I, I can see now thinking, looking at this uh, celiac disease, it's an autoimmune condition and um it can be triggered on and off. And this is one of the genes that's expressed. Um, it's called the protein three, it's SH2B protein three. And it's involved in the growth factor and the cytokine receptors. So it's like saying that my body is highly probable of uh, being triggered by gluten, which makes sense. Cause I, I feel like that I have some sort of sensitivity. It might be more of a gluten sensitivity, maybe not directly celiac, but um, they've even found out that more and more people are gluten sensitive. So my next one is called NPAS2. That means that my circadian-associated breast and prostate cancer risk. So, I have a possibility of getting breast cancer. I don't know why it says prostate, but I guess maybe it's in the same marker for men or women. I it doesn't look like there's only a ten percent chance possible or three percent. So, but you can decrease the inflammation markers and estrogen within the body. The next is AK. T1 uh, may cr- increase lifespan. Yay. I have a gene that says one said my telomere was low. The other one says it's increased. See, there's something good here. Um, the BCMO1 says that I'm 69% reduced conversion of a beta carotene into the retinal. So this has to do with my eyes. So retinol is beta carotene in the retinal. It's saying that it's involved in the metabolism of beta carotene in the retinal, which is I, the provitamin A and provitamin A carotene. Carotenoids are converted into vitamin A and expressed, um, in the in intestinal mucosa in addition to the retinal combined in the genotypes in this way is stating that with a 69% reduction in the ability to convert beta carotene into retinal ester, retinal ester in women. Foods that may help with this are organ meat, active form of vitamin A, and supplements of vitamin A. Other um, options, I guess I can do. I don't know if I eat organ meat, but I guess I can supplement with a vitamin A. And then she has a couple of links here. The next one would be SLC23A1. Um, it's saying that I'm a normal risk for Crohn's disease. That means that I am not a person that will get this autoimmune um, inflammation of autoimmune. Crohn's disease, which is great. I'm glad to know that's one factor, one genetic thing that's not coming up for me. Next is MTHFD1. I have an increased risk of choline deficiency, and um, I can. I just need to make sure I'm taking a dietary choline intake. So I would make sure that I am taking the right amount of supplements as needed, or. Folic acid supplements. Dietary intake that I can do is eggs, meat, fish, cruciferous, I say it wrong all the time. Cruciferous vegetables, you know, broccoli, kale, excuse me. And uh, again, decrease the betaine or increase betaine uh, so I can reduce the homocysteine and thin the body. FTO. This says that one to three fold increased obesity and risk for thermogenesis. Now, what this means is that I am at risk for obesity and fat and associated protein. The cluster of these genes together makes me high risk for obesity. How do I change this? Again, it's style and management, lifestyle and management. Fish oil. Which I take, exercise, um, physical exercise, and when I put in my body. The next gene is called HS pale P-A-I-L. Susceptible to noise-induced hearing loss. Orophagia Otoph- may help. Oh, orophagia may help. I'm susceptible to hearing loss from noise. So that means that if I'm surrounded by a large, loud things that I could actually lose my hearing. That's kind of scary, but it is fixable. Autophagia may play a role in alleviating this. Researchers have studied that autophagia proposes, proposed that in, in a noisy environment, oxidate stress products build up the cells in the inner ear and contribute to hearing loss. This speculate that the response to stress and the c allele carries, generates a more HSP70, which stimulates the production of the autophagomes and autophagia, which basically means that I will have a better chance of hearing. Now, the study previous to that states that this is just a susceptible. So that means if I was in an environment or worked in an environment that was high noise or um, that I actually could lose hearing. Now that can be, you know, worked on with supplements, hearing the proper protective equipment. So here's kind of an environment could affect my, my hearing. Now that can change with you where you were, um, Those you put uh, protective equipment in so that your hearing can be protected. Um, IL6. This is the associated with a longer lifespan and increased risk for certain diseases, though. So it's kind of like a catch-22. I have the gene to say that I have a longer lifespan, but I have an increased risk for certain diseases. Oh, goodness. So what is my certain diseases? Let's see Here. So I will live longer, but I have the possibility, not necessarily will have, I can live between 90 and 95, um, but my genetics say that I could still get and develop a cancer or lymphoma or some risk, but not definite. They're just links. That doesn't mean that it's definitely going to happen. My TP53, it may increase my lifespan. Oh, that's another good one. So hopefully my short telomeres, but these genes that say I have an increased lifespan, maybe they'll balance out. (laughs) So for this one, I'm states that the study of more than 9,000 Danish older adults carry one or more of the alleles and they tend to live longer. All right. So my tumor protein 53 TP53 states that I will possibly live longer. I hope it mutates to that. The ACTN3. This means that I intermediate fast twitch muscle performance. Hmm. Intermediate fast twitch muscle performance. That it plays a role in fast twitch skeletal muscle fibers, and it's encoded. The polymorphism is common in general population with approximately 20% of people. And that in spring power activities, fast twitch muscles will do the function optimally. However, muscle fibers with appear to be resistant. Oh, that's probably why I was a good track runner. I ran a lot of, um, uh, sports, and I was really good at hurdling and, and more fast running, like 400, 800s. And so maybe that was a factor in my genetics. AP0A1, slight risk of metabolic syndrome and dyslipidemia and plasma lipids. So what this means is that my body is susceptible to metabolic syndrome and is susceptible to high cholesterol. There are common the genetics is there stating that this will happen, but that doesn't mean that it will definitely happen or will be triggered. What I need to do is um be a advocate in my care and make better dietary choices and lifestyle management. TCF7L2. I know this is a long um podcast and YouTube, but What I'm really trying to emphasize here and go over is that I don't think people will read their reports all the time. And what you're really trying to get out of these reports is if you do take at least a glance to understand what you may be predisposed to, and then what are the chances or what are the factors and opportunity for you to then use to make Your life better so that maybe these things may not be turned on, these genes. So, here again, it's saying type 2 diabetes. I then, what would I have to do? I have to make sure I'm decreasing the sad American diet and making better choices more on the Mediterranean. Like I said, gluten free, dairy free, decreasing my carb intake, decreasing my sugar intake, um, more high quality fats in my food. and just whole foods. I mean, if it, if it has a label, it should have less than like five items on it. If it's whole food and you know, it's like Brussels sprouts and carrots and you, you can see it and you can taste it and it's not coming from a package, there's a good chance that it's in a better. Quality. I mean, will, of course, I'd love to say everyone's going to get organic, but you know, that may not be in your availability right away. But even if you can just um, take away uh, some of the carbs and some of the sugar intake and then increase some of the, your water, that in itself could help. My CFH genetic marker states that I have an increased lifespan, which is nice, and I have a lower risk for macular degeneration. Well, that's kind of cool. <laughs> Menacular degeneration is a uh, disease uh, presentation in its age related in the eyes. Um, actually, I've had, I mean, I was adopted, but I've had family members that have had that. And it's uh, usually an inflammation marker within the body. Um, and it's an eye condition that usually uh, happens in older adults. And they have a hard time um, with their vision. APOC3, it says i will have an increased lifespan. The PEMT is a reduced phosphohydroclene production. What does that mean? It's basically stating that, um, it's this enzyme specifically a catalyst and synthesis of choline in the liver. And it's, components for cell membrane and plays a role in the structure of the cell. So that's basically saying when, um, my body's making more cells, it is, it has some difficulty due to this decrease of phosphatidylcholine. Um, well, this could also mean is that I could have, um, decrease in sleep factors and that my neurotransmitter called acetylcholine had may, um, be a factor in how I sleep. Um, so supplements could be used here. Meditation and stress management can be used in this area. Uh, my memory can be uh, decreased. So I would really need to make sure that um, my cholinergic system and my body's memory deficits that um, what I put in my body will also help um, decrease me from the probability of getting Alzheimer's it says that i could have a high probability of getting fatty liver disease and how do i change this Um, fatty liver means that there's um a necessary your liver has a high probability of like uh, the bad very low dense uh, lipoprotein cholesterol and things that can help with this is uh choline which then is found in eggs, meat, fish, and vegetables. Again, this again comes back to diet lifestyle management. And if needed, sometimes I could also take a supplement um, in my diet. The FTO factor is a slight increase in obesity and high protein suitable. So this means that I have a high probability of being obese, but that doesn't mean I will be. It does state though, I would benefit much from having a high protein diet. So when you're reading something like this, you'd be like, oh, I'm one of those people that would benefit from more protein than carbs. And most people are benefiting more from more protein than carbs. It's just that carbs, sometimes they just taste good. And you know, you're really kind of um mindful of it. You know, like, it's not an everyday sugar and and uh, and wheat together. Oh, they are a uh, disaster for diabetes. MTNR1A is a slight increased risk for late onset Alzheimer's. So it says here that there's a possibility that I could get Alzheimer's. Oh, that stinks. Um, but it's basically saying that my melatonin receptor type one gene um, that codes the MT1 melatonin receptor it's produced primarily in the penile gland, which the melatonin is um, primarily produced in the penile gland, um, that I have a high risk of, it comes usually people have a higher uh, melatonin at nighttime, time. And that um, if it is decreased, you can get sleep disturbances. And in the long term, some people do have um, predisposition for um, late onset of Alzheimer's that does not mean that it's definite but you can take um associate precautions um finding sleep regimens uh supplements and lifestyle man- um modifications gene a d o r a 2 a This is called the possible sleep disruption with caffeine intake. So this one, I can totally understand. And I believe this is a factor for me. I used to not think so because I was in the Navy and I used to be able to drink a ton of coffee. I now have to be more mindful of how much coffee I drink. And this is what I would say for other people. Before you Um, wake up in the morning, you may want to have a, you can have a cup or two, but if you keep drinking, um, six to seven hours prior to bed, this will be a factor in your sleep and it will, um, disrupt the way you feel. And you can have an increased in, um, wakefulness, but also an increase in anxiety. So really kind of lay low on the coffee. Um, if you're going to have coffee, a big factor would be, um, put in some, um, it would take getting used to, but I really love, and the body really does need the fats, the good fats, MCT oil, and a, um, a little bit of cinnamon and, um, and your coffee or with a nine dairy creamer. And that will help fuel you for the day. And you don't actually need as many cups. I usually try to stop after 12 ish or so doesn't always happen, but I really tell people, at the most two o'clock, um, to stop my FG F 21 Uh, that means that I'm a slight preference for sweets over salty, slight metabolic risk and dietary suitability. That one I find interesting because I thought I actually liked salty over sweet, but I could be wrong. Um, again, that could be where they're stating. I could have a probability of, um, high, uh, sweet intake. They're recommending that I would be suitable for a ketogenic diet. Um, and that, uh, ketogenic diet is more in the high fat and low sugar and low carbs. Exercise for me is always recommended. And for anyone 30 minutes of running or, um, 30 minutes, five times a week, cold exposure, I definitely find myself, I'm very susceptible to cold. I don't like being in the cold. I like to be warm. FTO, that states that I have a higher probability of obesity and saturated fats. I have to be mindful, again, lifestyle and what I put in my body. The CYP1A2, faster caffeine metabolism. Again, we're coming back to caffeine. It states that I do metabolize caffeine quickly. Um, I can relate to, again, like I was saying from the military, I drink it, it goes through my body. It doesn't usually affect me, but I do notice that through time that I used to get um, an excess amount of anxiety, So, um, and it did associate with how I felt, and I think they say that it even also has an addition to increasing your hypertension um, risk. So really lower that caffeine intake a slight amount, you know, one or two grams per day isn't so bad, but when you're having excess amount, it can be a factor. And caffeine would not be the choice when you're trying to exercise. You would like to take other um, electrolyte uh, and supplements in when you're trying to um, do an exercise program or performance-based training. My gene FUT2 is slightly lower, meaning that my vitamin B12, which I kind of knew that my B12 had been low. The CD336 decreased ability to taste fat. That's very interesting. I think I taste fat pretty well because I noticed that if I have things that are too oily, I actually find myself not enjoying it. So I'm not sure if I agree with that one. PL1N1 favorable weight loss and improved biomarkers with diet and high in complex carbs. Yay. Here's a nice one. Basically stating that if I make lifestyle changes, I work out, I do things that are good for my body. I have a probability of losing weight, which I believe that's a factor. I mean, this last year I had gained so much weight between the preeclampsia and my weight. I think I was up to 210 pounds. Um, I'm nine months later. I think I'm down 50 pounds, but it was like, it took a really, well, no, let's see how much 40, yeah, 50 pounds. It took me a long time to get, I mean, overall, I, it wasn't simple, but it, um, I'm still working on it, but you know, it's, it's a process. It's a process. Just don't give up on it. F A D five, two or S two, sorry. That means that I have a 27% poorer conversion of my omega-3s. Oh, what a bummer. My omega-3s are not able to process as well, but that does not mean that I don't take the supplement. I still can choose to take the supplement and do okay. Associated, again, I have B12 susceptibility. I actually am susceptible to norovirus, and I have gotten norovirus before. Norovirus is a stomach an intestinal infection. Usually you get it with, uh, kids usually can, are really big on, um, it's like, uh, usually have a lot of, um, either nausea or diarrhea. I worked in pediatrics, so I had definitely, um, one of the little ones had given me, uh, that infection. So I've definitely been susceptible to that. Um, so that's happened and I'm still here. I'm okay. (laughs) Okay. But that one was a tough one. You have a lot of nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. You really have to make sure you have a lot of electrolyte replacement. My MC4R, it's the higher body mass index. Um, Basically, that, again, is stating a possible affecting dietary suitability. I have a higher body mass index, but again, lifestyle management can change less. My COMT is associated with being... No Nocebo responder. What the heck does that? That I don't know this one. A placebo effect sometimes called the psychosomatic response. It's a measurable phenomenon that has been subject to the research. The phenomenon occurs that person experiences a positive physiological response to the treatment. Wow. So they're saying that I can do a placebo effect and that it would help me. My body would not know. I think there's probably a lot of people... That could do the placebo effect, and what this is means is that you know how a lot of us want to take ibuprofen or pain management pills or or a pill to fix something. That if you had the placebo effect and thought you were taking it, or you were in an environment where it was less stressful and you were um, had less side effects, you actually would do better. The SLC three zero AB. This means that I have a slight increase for type two, excuse me, type two diabetes. Um, It also says that I have a zinc transport and susceptibility to D-O-M-S. That means that I have um, type two diabetes. We discussed that prior. And it says that I have a delayed onset of muscle soreness meaning that I don't always get sore muscles. That is true. That means that um, suggests that um, that I have better healthy muscle function. And that has to do with the beta cells in my pancreas and the skeletal muscles overall, which is good news. Um, and then I'm able to transport zinc well. If this had been not transport zinc well, then I would want to take more of a zinc supplement. Um, OAS1 associated with slightly protective role against SARS. Um, The cool thing about this um, report that she shows is that she puts in a lot of uh, information on SARS and COVID. So you can kind of see if you were a person that would be a high susceptibility to COVID or high um, not susceptibility. And for my genetic markers, I'm less susceptible. V-E-G-F-A. I'm slightly improved endurance capacity, um, improved adaption to aerobic exercise, which this means is you would benefit from, I would benefit from aerobic exercise and running or, or jogging and walking. And I believe that's a hundred percent true. The more that I get myself out and doing and moving, I do very, very well. Now, so when I, so if you ever come to my office or we speak on um a telehealth visit, I'm going to ask you if we do a full functional consultation, I'm gonna ask you to get a twenty three and me and a comprehensive report. And I think the total cost of this is like I said, twenty five or thirty dollars for the comprehensive report and maybe one eighty or one one ninety nine or one fifty for the twenty three and me. Um so that in that tests itself for the genetic report. And that's just to kind of be one of the markers that I would find out all of these different um, triggers so that we can kind of work on what's your susceptibility. And like, for example, since I am type two diabetes, but aerobic exercise works for me, I need to plan my personalized plan as more aerobic. I need to plan my genetic markers as less carbs, less sugar, because then I am predisposed to these items. So I don't want to trigger that on or I want to manage it. So in your report, whatever that is for you, you're gonna to try to, we're gonna see what's available. So when I look at it, it's not just 50 pages of la 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 letters. It's 50 pages of things that we want to try to improve or look or just be aware of. That doesn't mean everything is going to happen. My G1 PR, increased risk for obesity. Goodness, I have a lot of increased risk for obesity. But my next one stated again, I have an increased lifespan. Um, I have... AKT1 says I have a slightly increased risk of transient cannabis associated psychosis. Basically, that means I am not, it's not in my wheelhouse to have, um, cannabis. So I would not benefit by cannabis use for pain management. Now that would be the opposite for some patients. Some patients would use cannabis as an, as a, a need for, um, healthcare. But for me, it would be bad. ADR B2, slightly increased endurance um, capacity, which means, again, that I do well in endurance activities. Uh, My FOX 03, again, is stating my lifespan. My next one here says... I have, oh, this is very funny. My one friend, we were talking about this, says the OR6A, and it's a slight possibility of disliking cilantro. Now, I love cilantro, so I don't think this one is correct. Basically, what it means is that my smell factor, the olfactory receptor, states that when you eat a the culinary um, coriander cilantro, I'm supposedly not liking it because it has more of a soap smell. And that one is not inherent for me. I don't know that one didn't trigger on I'm kind of the opposite. I think it's because of my Spanish inheritance. And we always do a lot of um, cilantro based foods and like our sofrito has every type of cilantro imaginable and food. So it's like everywhere. Maybe I got used to it. Um, C-R-Y-2 means that I have fasting glucose levels altered to a high fat diet. My D- BDNF is a greater short term motor loner brain derived neurotrophic factor. Basically, um, I have a short plasticity of motor control, speech recognition and work working memory. Um, means that I have to really work on my um, physical activity to make sure that my short-term memory is increased. My SOD2 is a reduced activity and defines as diminished ability to combat stress. Now, just here's again, another factor of just because my um, genetic marker here states that I'm not able to combat stress, I've learned tools in my toolbox to, to alleviate my stress. Meditation, mindfulness, walking, drawing, exercising, being with my family, my animals, numerous things. And I'll go over those things too with you. And I have plenty of um, resources online and um, available or places that you can go to. My CASR is slightly increased serum calcium level basically saying that I have a possible lower bone density. So this is a little concerning. I mean, I can increase my calcium intake, but um, I have to really make sure that I'm regulating it because I don't want to have any osteoporosis late on. It does state though that um, I need to make sure that my calcium intake doesn't make me susceptible to kidney stones or migraines. And my bone health is super important. Um, so I really need to make sure I'm having calcium and K2 supplementation to increase the calcium intake. The. FADS1 is associated with intermediate phosphodicholine levels. And that is stating that it's an important role in the structure of the cell. Um, this is stated in another gene. And this is a big factor on trying to state of um, helping with sleep and the neurotransmitter acetylcholine. Um, so being that I have an intermittent levels, I could have some some problems with sleep later on in life, but this can um, be helped with the supplementation of the choline. Um, It's called choline supplementation or TMAO supplement. And these are things like when we go over these markers or these different things, and I look at your genetic map, that doesn't mean you're gonna be taking all of these types of supplements, but if they are part of your personalized, Um, lifespan or the um, plan that we're going over, they may be needed. So this just kind of gives me an idea and gives you an idea so that when you're looking at this, you're not just going, oh, there's just so much information. I don't have time. Well, it doesn't even mean anything. It does. It's so good to be informed. The more informed you are, the better you have it's pretty much just like having that ammunition and having the available, you know, knowledge base that now you can kind of get the ideas, and then you can make you can have the control. You have the control. The genes don't always control you. The FADs one is a slightly increased inflammation in the conjunctions of the linic acid or omega six. So I really do have to make sure that my omega sixes are increased in my diet. Um, my GS STP one is a low dose mixed vitamin E. Um, I would benefit from having vitamin E in my diet. EGT is an increased risk for hypertension and greater responsiveness to lower sodium. Basically, this means that I have a higher probability of hypertension and I would benefit from a low sodium diet. Now, any person would benefit from a low sodium diet in general. Um, and this gene is stating that hypertension, like I had told you, I had preeclampsia in my pregnancy. So I would like to not have hypertension later on in life. So I can try to um, lower that with diet, um, lifestyle management. Um, but some people are predisposed to hypertension and that is some of the genetic markers, but they still can um, manage it with lifestyle management and weight loss prevention, um, weight loss um, strategies. The ace 2 it's a lower tissue expression, and it also is one where it would give you mild disease symptoms of COVID-19. So you might've heard in the news and back um, when COVID was starting to be learned through um, studies that when you express the ACE angiotensive converting enzyme and it's expressed in your body, you have a higher um, probability of getting the, um, COVID. For me, my, um, my gene is a lower tissue expression. So the probability of me getting COVID is less for my body my UCP2 is a slightly increased risk for certain chronic inflammatory conditions. That doesn't mean that I'm going to be inflamed with everything, but that means that what I put in my body means that I have a high probability of getting a increased, um, inflammatory markers. So my mitochondria that, um, is proteins that are made up gives me that, um, I am susceptible to more inflammatory diseases like a rheumatoid arthritis, a chronic fatigue syndrome, and overall inflammation. And I can tell you from my personal experience and my personal life that through um, the years of my traumas and through um, life that I know by my diet change has been a factor in my less pain um, so what I put in my body um, can decrease the chances of me having um, or kind of turning on RA, possibility of a lupus, or possibility of um, a, a, any other type of like chronic fatigue. The LPA is um, a lipoprotein level. Um, I'm actually not at risk for coronary artery disease, from this genetic component, but that doesn't mean I couldn't be. Now, it's another thing here where you're stating to yourself, if I eat a crappy, sad diet, then I can still be predisposed to coronary artery disease. But if I keep with the right things, then I won't be. Um, My IL-18 states that I have a slightly increased viral load, but I'm Overall, not as susceptible to COVID. Uh, my LO17A, it states that I can get acute respiratory distress syndrome, but I'm no, it says I have a reduced chance of getting SARS. Again, I have this one's kind of funny because it's like, little negative positive. This one says ABO associated with increased risk for severe COVID. So these are kind of like these markers. One says I'll get it. The other one says I won't get it. That's a little, you know, interesting there. Not as exciting. Um, Oh, this one's a pretty, I can definitely tell you this is my thing. Um, MCM6 says lactose tolerance. I have problems with my lactase and, um, I have a problem with, um, having it, you know, when I eat milk, I notice that for me, I, I don't, I do a dairy alternative because I have a problem with metabolizing lactose. I have these other ones are stating that majority of are normal which are great. So it says these are less worthy kind of genetics meaning my iron is normal. I'll just kind of go quickly through these last parts cuz it can be a lot. Um as long as I'm taking my vitamin D, uh overall I should be having a better cholesterol normal tel- it does say that I'll have a normal telomere length. So there's been a couple things that said yes and no, but it definitely is environment, stress, nutrition. Our factors. um, I don't do well with statins. Be mindful of how much um, triglycerides and cholesterol consumption, the LDL cholesterol specifically. um, I do require eight hours of sleep, which I can tell you, I love eight hours of sleep if you bother me especially being um a new mom i love my little one but when i wasn't getting sleep those first few months let me tell you i was not a happy camper i found every way possible to try to um uh, fit sleep in cuz when i got less than you know 6 hours oh, it was hard and my body really loves to get um its adequate amount of sleep and most people should they should get between 7 to 9 hours at least and with a little small nap or at least a, a rest in between. um, And then majority of my other markers were fairly normal. So I'm not going to go over every single one there. I just kind of wanted to kind of touch base and look into these to kind of say, this is kind of what is in my genetics and what I had to look for and predispose to. And that Maybe just because these things come up, that doesn't mean that I will have them, but I have to learn to manage them, to be aware of it and to make better choices every single day. So every single day I have to make an active choice. And it's true. Every single day I have to think about what I put in my body. I drink water. I drink more water. I'm Um, I'm not a drinker, by very little, I would say maybe every two weeks I'll have a glass or one or two. Um, not a big drinker anymore. I think when I was younger in my twenties, maybe it was fun. So I'm mindful about that food. You know, I, every single day I have to think about what I put in my body. Sometimes it's, it's a little bit more difficult than others, but it's, it's a habit. It's a mindset. It's a different way of thinking. So I hope today, um, I know this is a long, um, podcast, YouTube, and research. Um, but I will put in the show notes where the website that I went to to get your own genetic report. And um, it's awesome. So, uh, And then pretty much that would be one area that I would look over when um, you would come and see me as a patient for a functional health consultation. I hope you enjoyed some of this and you got a little bit of value out of it. And if you did, um, subscribe or comment below, and I'd love to hear more from you. You have a wonderful day and wherever you are. Thanks. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to Mindfully Integrative with Dr. Damaris G. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you enjoyed our show, support us by leaving a mindful review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite streaming site. If you would like to be a guest of our show or interview, email us at info at If you want to learn more about the resources mentioned in the podcast, you can find those in the show notes. To connect mindfully with Dr. Damaris G, reach her at www.damarismaria.com or connect via social media links. We appreciate your time connecting here with us. May your strength and peace within bring you more balance every day. Namaste.